Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. First off, the GOAT has returned. I'm not talking about John Jones, dude. John Jones. Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Okay. (laughs) No, so uh, John Jones fought. I don't care. Um, Russell Brand came back to do the podcast tour. Yeah. And he is the avatar. He is, uh, I'm, I'm just redoing, we have this, this video that talks about the five charisma types. And usually when we bucket people, they fall into one or two of those types. So you've got self-assured, funny, energetic, empathetic, and authentic. And you know, we've got examples for all these different ones. We've got an old video. There will be a new one within the next couple of weeks on those with examples, which I'm pretty looking forward to. Uh, and making that and then seeing Russell Brand go on both Bill Maher and Joe Rogan was crazy because he is more than anyone I've ever broken down spontaneous, meaning when I watch most people, like say I'm watching a Jamie Foxx, I, I can guess what he's going to do next. He's going to do a funny voice, jump into a story, you know, do the Jamie Foxx thing that is extremely likable and cool, but I can predict it. When I'm watching Russell, I can't tell if he's going to go into a spiritual diatribe, if he's going to do that and then crack a joke, if he's going to listen intently for like seven and a half minutes without interrupting at all, even though Joe just interrupted him. And uh, he truly has... Uh, he's mastered all five nations. <laughs> he is Avatar. He's the Avatar. Um, and it's it's interesting to watch him because there's a degree of our videos that is a bit algorithmic. It's like, when you're in this situation, you can do this. And that actually describes how a lot of people behave. Someone who is, you know, I love him and is very algorithmic as Tony Robbins. It, there's like a click where thing. Like you say finances, he tells the finance story. You say jump, he says, you know, to cold plunge. Whatever it is, you can kind of, he, he has a way of being in his interviews and his seminars that is very uh, stimulus response. And his interventions have a bit more flow to him, but that is, you know, a huge amount of what I've seen in, in breaking him down. Russell is almost always operating in uncharted territory, which is really interesting. He regularly whips out vocabulary that I haven't seen before. He'll go anecdotes that I haven't seen before. Joe interrupts him, and I kept kept waiting him for taking, you know, he talks for five minutes, and I kept waiting him for, to, or kept waiting for him to take it back to his original point. And when he did eventually come in, it was to respond to the thing that Joe had just said, but it was with the formulation of a, 
than he was able to speak for five minutes just off like the very last few sentences of what Joe said. And so uh, what's the charisma learning? Like, what are you going to do? This guy's just so avatar. Like you can't, <laughs> you're just a waterbender. What are you supposed to do with the, the avatar guy? Yeah, you, I, he's, I think everybody can raise their charisma ceiling, but not everybody can be the goat. Um, and you can certainly train verbal flexibility. You can train empathy. You can work on listening. Uh, he is genuinely gifted though. I mean, he showed up fresh out of being a heroin user and was an MTV VJ effortlessly. Uh, he has a gift and it has only developed as he's, I think, you know, continued in his career and gotten away from just being the silly, funny, flirtatious guy, which he, by the way, was incredible at all the way up to like, he, he steamrolls a guy on Bill Maher and he puts his hand on him and he just dominates the situation. And then I also watch him just step back and listen for tremendous amounts of time. So super impressive. I don't know if it makes sense to do yet another Russell Brand video, though I will say in trying to like find new people to do content on, it would be easier to make a brand new Russell Brand video with absolutely totally non-content we've never used before than it would be to do some people that we... Uh, may never have touched on the channel before. Like that's, that's how, um, I know I'm just absolutely on his, on his, uh, you charisma. know what, right now. <laughs> right but, all uh, over his charisma. Yeah. You also mentioned that, uh, kids are using the words Riz. Yeah. Kids out there are using the word Riz. I didn't look this up prior, so you're putting me on the spot. So. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But we could look it up. Um, yeah, so he's the Riz God is what you're saying. Allegedly, Riz is derived from charisma. Yes. So we're influencing we're, the youth as yes. well. Clearly, that's yeah. from our channel. Uh, cool. So there's a lot on his uh, channel that you just haven't, I don't know if you've kept up with it, but he's just charisma on camera as well. Like how he engages with you, the viewer. Yes. What do you think? Yes. Let me know in the comments. Yes. Write a little blurb. It's like, I will, Russell. I will. <laughs> Thank you. You're talking to me. Um, There's a ton you can learn from him in a lot of different yeah. aspects. Yeah. Um, Would love to have him on. There's there's something else that he mentioned on Joe Rogan, which was uh, the femininity of modern spirituality, I thought was interesting. That modern spirituality, um, not in its, its entirety, but can have the, this is his perspective that I that I haven't really digested, but... I think in traditional understanding of feminine and masculine, you've got the feminine, which is mater, maternal, earth, and you've got um, masculinity, which is potter, paternal, fathered, pattern. And you've got the idea that uh, femininity is based in the groundedness of what is, and masculinity is the, is the spirituality of the sky, of the pattern, of um, not of the material. And he was pointing to that you've got this spirituality that can... Not that any of these things are in and of themselves bad, but he's, you know, can get out of balance in, do you have your crystals? Do you have the right consumption products? Do you have your aloe leggings? Do you have the, the right Instagram shot of your, of your uh, spiritual self? Uh, and not only that, that one of the things that you see in other spiritual traditions that is, I think appropriately, we're trying to find the, the happy medium uh, I don't know if happy medium is correct, but we're trying to find a, a uniquely modern way of doing it, which is if you look at spirituality of the past, discipline is a tremendous part of it. The discipline to sit in a painful position, which is traditionally associated with the masculine, which is like, this isn't fun. And I, this it doesn't, um, I'm not attending to my feelings right now. Uh, obviously that can get thrown out of whack too, and it can be an exercise in suffering, uh, but I, I thought that was interesting.
And then Russell sort of mentioned David Goggins, who I would say today is the epitome of masculine discipline. Your feelings don't matter. You are capable of more than you feel like you are. Don't attend to that. And what I, what I think is interesting is that when I look at some of the people that listen to David Goggins, I find that he's exactly what they need. You know what I mean? When it's like you're the couch potato with no discipline. And then I think David Goggins himself would benefit from a bit more femininity, <laughs> from a bit more how do I feel about this. And it is one of the things that occurred to me that I'm still noodling on is that, yeah, it's not that David Goggins is wrong or right, but there is this idea of everything in moderation. And sometimes you can fall into a guru or a way of being or a heuristic for how one ought to live their life, which is either what do you feel or push through the pain and you can stay in that modality for longer than serves your growth. Um, and so, yeah, when I, when I, without knowing his life, when I do look at David Goggins, like you have done all of the pull-ups, you have pushed yourself to the limit. Like I think there's a whole field of growth for you in attending to your inner state and seeing if you can sit and take care of your feelings in a way. Like that would probably be, even more of a challenge and even more growth inducing to him than uh, the next difficult physical thing that he did, which isn't to say that he should stop a workout routine or anything like that. Does um, David Goggins have a family? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, I, I imagine. I think he's got... I wasn't sure if he was a single man. I know he's an ultra marathon runner and ex-military yeah. discipline guy, but just wasn't sure. Not sure. Um, not sure. I uh, don't know all about his bio. There was a question on the... Uh, patreon podcast that wanted us to go deeper into the conversation we had last time uh i know the question that you're referring to it was broadly uh asking to break down how do we know that the people saved even though there may be millions of them from the suffering of ebola might not just run into the next difficult thing in life and therefore their quality of life is you know, they are living but not tremendously improved versus, you know, the quality of having a good father. Yes, they were rich, but having a good father could... It was It was not that this person believed that, but they were playing with the sliders of how do you do this? And I think as I read the question, what I wanted to point back to was the point of the criticism of effective altruism is not simply that people aren't doing the utilitarian math correctly. It's that the, that the utilitarian math is insufficient. Like the idea that you would take a 20, 30, 40, 50 year span and draw the lines there and say how many people lived or how happy were they over the course of one lifetime and be able to understand uh, the quality of an intervention or the quality of a decision is not enough because the things that are hard to measure, one of them is quality of life. Another one I think is the subtle ripple effects of the intent and how that percolates through people. Meaning if I change, if I stop donating to charity, we can measure there are fewer wells built and people die. But if I change my attitude and I walk around with a smile and I smile at someone and then they go home and they pet their dog and then that dog like runs up to someone and is, and they make a different decision. Those things are nearly impossible to measure, but the, and perhaps shouldn't even be tried because there is a view of morality that is consequentialist, which says 
we need to just see the consequences of this. We'll pick a time frame and we'll say, what are the different consequences based on our value systems? There's another view that is, I don't know what it's called offhand, but it's, it's based on the intent of the actions. And I do think increasingly that uh, I have lived too long in the consequentialist and I think there is tremendous value towards moving more of my morality into the energy of what is being done why am i donating to charity is it a donation out of fear is it a donation out of um, a sense of cosmic obligation that i have not earned what i have had and a deep undeservingness of the random lottery of life that placed me here which i do feel or is it can i find a way to to see the world differently than that to feel this is challenging, simultaneously deserving of everything I have and in a loving way wanting to share and give more. And I think that those shortcuts that people take, which is say, you're not deserving, therefore you have to give, is necessary at different points in societal and personal evolution when you're dealing with, you know, uh, little children or uh, adults that behave like, like little, little children. children. Yeah. Uh, you need like rules in order to get them to do things. But I think the world that, the best world is one where you allow the intent to create the outcome with a deeper sense of trust. Because what you get when you just focus on outcome is people abusing the system, as we talked about with last week, where you can fudge some of the, the scores to get your company the most thing and you get the most clout and you wind up perverting this whole um, charitable drive because it was corrupt from the beginning because it was based on I just want to discharge this obligation that I feel, not that I want to share or love or give yeah. more. Um, I saw this is, I don't have the answer to this. I asked Destiny this question and we didn't get too deep into it, but I saw that on Reddit there was a 25% billionaire tax that was allegedly proposed by Joe Biden or something like that. And all of the comments were good, you know, Reddit comments, <laughs> good, it needs to be more, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I really, I think that what hasn't been clarified to me that is implicit in those Reddit comments is what is the philosophy behind taxation? Is it that the community has the right to um, take from someone who might be utterly and entirely deserving of the things that they have? Meaning, imagine someone born with 12 brains, 10,000 arms, who truly did off the work of their own back create that much value. According to the philosophy that I see implicit in Reddit, they have the best life that is, you know, and there should be just a cap because it doesn't hurt them and that should be redistributed. Never mind the fact that they might have earned or deserve or, um, you know, that the community is essentially banded together as a mob to take what they might not want to give. Yep. Uh, that, is, that is one way to view taxes. Another way to view taxes is, there are no people with eight brains and eight arms. No one is able to have the effect of a billionaire. That is only bad accounting that allows billionaires to accrue that much wealth through flaws in our contract system that do not properly return money to the stakeholder of the citizen. So like when Mark Zuckerberg gets whatever billion dollars, he ought to have been paying the individual users of Facebook because they are the value creators who are being left out and he has... Um, taken from them their value based on a, an abuse of the contract system in the United States of America, and therefore we're not actually taking from him. We are simply giving back what is deserved to these other people. I think it's important to clarify which of those worldviews you have, mm -hmm. and I, don't, I can see an argument for both. I can see both of them necessitating higher taxes. Um, 
But there obviously is something about the like, you know, we're going to band together and take from you because we've determined that the amount of money that you have is too high. But guess what? I will never determine the amount of money that I have is too high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I will never, and this, I I felt deeply uh, misunderstood in the world thing when people, some of the comments uh, about if, if that is an argument that you are inclined to make, I would encourage you to open up your view of ought I impose that on myself with regards not just to my nation but to the world. Like if you are a beneficiary of we need to tax all billionaires and that is something you strongly believe, might we not need to tax all 20,000 heirs to to yeah, redistribute yeah. to people in Bangladesh because you truly will not notice to them in a way that is meaningful. Now let me be clear. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg will notice if you take away their billion of dollars. You might not think they notice, but they absolutely do and that is evident in the way that they behave. You yeah. know, they want to buy larger companies and do bigger things or even just count their money in their bank. Uh, But the idea they won't even notice it is a very self-centered view that uh, takes your experience of money and what is enough and what you imagine would be enough and transposes it to them, to someone who is to the, you know, right of you on the income. But you never look, not never, if you are this hypothetical person, you might not look left and go, to someone in Bangladesh who is living on a dollar a day, the difference between someone with $6,000 in their bank and $60,000 in their bank might be meaningless to them. Yeah. Uh, like, what's the difference? Like, you're eating, you have a roof over your head, you know that you're not going hungry, you ought to give all the way down to when you only have $1,000 in your bank yeah. or something like that. Um, so I do think it's important to clarify the philosophy you're going to argue for this of, of taxation. Some of the rich people in America feel like kings, and isn't that where taxes started? Which was you're paying, like your tributaries were paying you a tax to live on the land that was deemed all king's land or like all queen's land. And I don't know the history of taxes, I think but like, you're right. but that's what it feels like. Is like that guy has all the money; he's our king. We should just take it back. He's not my king. And it's like, <laughs> but that's not how we work anymore. Like. um, and in some cases, I guess there's generational wealth where it feels like this person has just been sitting at top of an empire. Um, but yet that seems that that mentality seems way more uh, feasible if I'm like a regular dude in England and my king just keeps taking my money every year. <laughs> and I'm like, boys, let's let's kill this guy. Um, yes. Let's take everything back. But um, I'm not smart enough with tax code. And then the other thing is like if you just draw a marker, it's like let's start taxing billionaires. They'll just invest all their funds and use tax loopholes mm-hmm. in real estate and uh, research and development to not be a billionaire on paper. Mm-hmm. Well, that that is not an argument against the attempt, but you're right. Yeah. Like that is, that they, there would, the, there the would be a net, system. Yes. If you try to plug one hole yes. and you create a, this is, this is the broader thing is you need rules and regulations and systems in society. I'm not denying that. But as long as people's hearts and intents do not align with those rules, you will constantly be plugging leaky buckets. And I think that is, to be clear, necessary, right? Yeah. Like that is a huge, the function of government is not to be a perfect utopian thing where everybody's hearts are in the right, it's, it's to plug as many holes as you can so yeah. that people can have a decent enough life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Donald Trump is a tax savant. <laughs> it's like I told you three weeks ago, he was the, I think it's bullshit, but I love the story. It's just like he built a golf course and then used a section of it as a cemetery for his close loved ones, yeah. which is sad, but it's a write-off and <laughs> and it costs, and they don't have to pay any greens fees for uh, gardening 
costs and they get write-offs to, from the government for having a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what's and I don't know what his intent was when he did it. Maybe he just <laughs> wanted his loved ones close to him when he put them on the golf course. But you're right. right. Not that I would want this to happen, but it's like if you were going to implement a 25% billionaire tax, I almost would prefer that you said, look, either you take the 25% billionaire tax, and maybe this wouldn't work because the intent isn't there, but or you sign up for a round of over the course of a year and a half or two years, five MDMA treatments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you either take the hit or you do this and then you don't have to give anything. And through the process of oh, yeah, now, yeah, now, yeah. And, and what I've learned about this is that the, no the medicine is not enough. Like no. you have to come to it with intent, with intent, which is how do you manufacture intent or how does intent change? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Either. Yeah. It's that has been a conundrum to see some people receptive and open and some people not uh, is is interesting. I think one of the things that can shift intent is tremendous suffering. I think tremendous love can shift intent. I think, but uh, yeah, those uh, are suffering like seems like the best one that I've seen. Which is just like grief, loss, um, <laughs> just moves you way better than like you're stable and have all the things you need, mm-hmm. and you have a love and support system. Um, yeah, cool. The other thing, which is barely formulated in my mind, and I almost. <sighs> I'm going to try. <laughs> so as my understanding of the world evolves, this might sound obvious, but it seems like the core of so many relationships in life is discerning whose responsibility or whose shit is is what in a relationship. I will try to give an example to yeah, elaborate. Yeah, I'm lost, bro. Okay. <laughs> Holy moly. If we get into an argument, or we begin to get in an argument, and I first curtly say to you, "Get out of here," and you do, "Don't fuck," and you go, "Don't fucking tell me that." I say, "Don't curse at me." There's this. What is occurring at some level is we are debating who breached the rules of our relationship prior. First. Yes, the prior and rules, which was amicable speaking to each other with sure. respect. Yes, yes. Who did this? First. And of course, there's not a singular thing like you might have misinterpreted me, but you might have misinterpreted my curtness based on the fact that you just lost a game of League of Legends, which made you an attest to your mood and then been, you know, and, and so, so much of relationships. And then if they get mended, both people can apologize. But I think it's important to not have heuristics in this where you just go, we both apologize all the time. I, th- I do think it is, as I get older, it's important to, like, we can't just cut the baby in half King Solomon style. Like, we do, if we want to solve problems in the future, have to... Find who's at fault Not here. who's at fault, but <laughs> whose responsibility it is to adjust... Their behavior? Their energy and behavior and way of being. And I have found that this is a very subtle game that is very difficult to play, but one of the things I'm realizing is that I have a lot of heuristics that have screwed me up in the past. And I will read some of them and see if this lands with you. Well, so like, for the first one, you're hur- I don't even know what heuristic means. So Heuristic is a rule of thumb that guides you as to like right. whose responsibility this thing might be. Yeah, so for you, have instance, a, you have a heuristic right off the bat that um, we should figure out who's this is, whose is this. You know what I mean? Other people just say sorry and that's not enough for you. They just walk, they say sorry, mm-hmm. and they walk away and they act like it don't happen. 
if you will, and it's okay, that's one of them that's on there. If you oh. allow that, if you allow someone to say sorry and walk away, you, the, pr- the problem persists. You know what I mean? Like if, if, and that's one of the things that if, if all that it is required in a relationship is the verbal sorry, the underlying cause will perpetuate itself over and over and over again because what is required is not someone to speak the word sorry, but someone to reflect on their behavior, see the cause of it, see that that's not the way that they'd like to behave, and take steps to amend that. And, and in doing so, the communication of the other person is, I am sorry that I did that, and I want to be different, and I am working on being different, and it is my deep intention to not pr- continue this pattern. Yeah, I have some whataboutisms, but I'm, I'm going to, like, okay. I have friends that just fight. They get drunk, like Mm -hmm. they get drunk, they have really angry, like then they make love at the end of the night Mm -hmm. and then they just repeat it every weekend. And I think they'll do it to the end of time. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, that doesn't totally fit into like, we found out who started this. It's just like the pattern they have and they're going to have a functioning marriage for the rest of their life. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That, that to be clear, that doesn't, um, I, is not it doesn't mutually exclusive? No, not at all mutually exclusive. Okay. In fact, that's the problem will just keep going. You will keep fighting. Yeah, but you then will, they die. And then they die. That's fair. At the end, well, you, you die. Will just die. And you've gotten to the bottom. And, and they died. And they didn't get to the bottom. So my goal is not to get to the bottom, but to create more harmony in my life and more like fewer time spent cleaning up stuff and more time spent creatively in flow building new things. Mm especially in regards to relationships. So some of the heuristics that I have carried that are wrong, and in the same way that you can abuse the environmental scores in effective altruism, if you know the game and you can just tweak it, these can be abused. So like if someone is angry or yelling, they've crossed the line. You know, you know like if someone is raising their voice, they're the one who did it. Versus someone could be very calm and... and Seating. And, and well, they could be in, they could be poking, or they could be not listening, or they could be doing things such that anger would actually be an appropriate. Hey, you say you want to be in relationship with me. You are, you say that you are listening. You do not behave as if you are listening to me. And so that you know, you raise your voice or you get angry. These are all personal heuristics. Yeah, these are ones okay. that I notice come up in my life, gotcha. which is you know, whoever yells first is often like. Whoa, what's gotcha. going what's gotcha. going on with you? You know? Yeah. And it's and that's I don't think that's fair. Um as I get I don't think I don't think any of these are hundred percent. Charlie yells every type, every fight. I always yell, and I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I don't I don't every fight. I know. And I because I know that that is a thing that if I do, and I am realizing that it actually in some it's of my more recent a, relationships cool. has been the thing that is needed. Not not in a I hate you, I'm gonna scream at you way, but like you need to know that I am experiencing anger right now. It is important for our relationship for you to witness this mm. uh, as opposed for, okay, keep that one because if you tip your hand right there, now you've got to f- go figure out why you're so angry and it can't yeah. be that this person <laughs> did something. Yeah. Um, and it's been important for me to, in a adult way, get angry in inside of a safe relationship, which is this isn't the end of the relationship, but I am angry and pissed right now. Yeah. Um, and here's why I think, and it, you know, I've been able, that has been helpful to me. So, um, I can't even read some of these writings cause the autocomplete, but if someone is, says they are hurt, they have been harmed by you. 
like one of the big like full stops in, in a lot of my understandings, and this isn't other people, but I'm saying like if somebody goes, ooh, you hurt me, that's like, that's a huge pause and that needs to be um, checked out and that can be abused, which is anytime we get into sensitive territory, you're hurting me, ouch, ouch, you're hurting me can become, don't push me. Um, similarly, if that's someone, emotionally speaking though. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah not, not you're not punching her in the face. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I wasn't sure. Ouch, ouch, you're hurting me. Um, someone, it's not something you say <laughs> ouch, ouch, in, in a talk. Yes. Um, if someone is really struggling, therefore they shouldn't be pushed. You know what I mean? And this is uh, these are ones that came up in a recent interaction with my girlfriend, which is like in uh, getting upset with her and pushing her past, even when she indicated struggle, actually was, I think, a way that really moved things for us. And I was able to, in an in interaction where you're being mean to me, this, like, in actually going, like, no, I am angry about this, and, like, no, stop retreating from this conversation. Uh, it worked better than it had yeah. in the past. And I think we both came to a thing, which is most people have not experienced a loving, safe, masculine, I need more from you that does not communicate you are not enough. Um, yeah, like a supportive, powerful Anger. A supportive That's step up. Little David Goggins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's, I think, in that, there can be, I don't know. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. If it's intended from him, but you can easily communicate you're not enough like yeah, in, yep. in that, which is there's another thing that is to call someone out and say you can do and be more without not being enough is a complex communication to deliver to someone. Um, so I think that needs to be, you know, that was something that happened. Uh, yeah, and this is one that I've abused, which is if you win the argument, that means that you were right. And I've been very good at winning arguments for my whole life. And uh, Wait, say this again. If you can win the argument, you are right. If the other person concedes, therefore you must have been right all along. So if I can, what does conceding look like? Yeah, I argue, I argue. She says this, I say this. He says this, I say this, and they get stumped at the end. You know, Got it. if you can out verbal jujitsu someone, then then you are right. Mm. And I think that I, you know, can want to literally studied philosophy so that I could do that. Um, so yeah, there's there's a number of these that I don't have to go into, but. But one of mine that I feel, which is funny that you take, if I start arguing, like I've lost and like if, or start, sorry, um, get angry. Mm -hmm. Like if I need to get angry in order for you to like see or hear me, I'm like, I'm out. Is the, the opposite one. Like I don't use anger as a tool. I'm like, if I need to do that, um, I'm outro. So like I have like when I've had breakups, just been very like, understand 
and he's great. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll talk soon. And I'm like seething inside. But yeah. uh, <laughs> um, I haven't used the anger as a tool to like to engage in the relationship. To yeah. engage in the relationship, I was using. I was just like calmly, like stepping away. Yeah. Like I don't see anger getting me anything I want in this, so I'm out. I'm out. And that, I think, interestingly enough, is the complexity of this is what I would say is that would be your responsibility that you're not picking up, which is there were probably plenty of times where the needed interaction from you was anger. The needed response from your partner was space for you to be angry without saying, you're killing me, you know, yeah. and the relationship. Ouch, ouch, you're hurting yeah, ouch, me. Ouch, this is too much, <laughs> you know, like for you to be upset with someone crossing a boundary or whatever or not listening to you or and to have that occur in a way that they knew that you love them, they were safe physically, of course, yeah. and that uh, the relationship was not being threatened by this. Yeah, I sort of missed my opportunity for yes. powerful anger along the way. Yeah, for for really medium bursts of powerful. This is not acceptable, and I am angry about this. Might yes. have prevented the. I even think. Well, to be fair, it's like I probably tested them out slightly and was like, and they didn't hold. They it. didn't yeah. hold. Yeah, yeah. I was like, these don't work. Um, yes. And so at the very end of, of the relationships, I'm just like, um, but yeah, good point out. I think that's a common one. And by the way, both exist. People that will tolerate intense amounts of screaming and anger without leaving the relationship oh, exist. Oh, dude, that's like a giant. There's no. a huge contingent of people like that, but there's also a contingent of people who will not tolerate any anger and yep. therefore the relationship will end two years later for some other reason because the intensity of this boundary has been crossed or you have not, yeah, you have not seen me, listened to me, reacted to my needs in a way that isn't deeply important is not being expressed. It can only be expressed in hurt or tears, which is not always appropriate yep. for it. Um, and doesn't, when, when you have, I've noticed a safe range of expression of all the emotions, stuff tends to move faster. Um, and you tend to get more growth more quickly and ultimately more harmony inside of a relationship that is not surface level harmony of like we never fight like good ideologues <laughs> yeah. but we actually both feel totally safe open and comfortable not we're safe yeah. <laughs> we're safe as long as we stay within this band where do you draw the line on like um staying in the relationship in general so i mean i've never dumped anybody so <laughs> there's your hurry heuristic there you no, yeah, you're like, oh, we'll figure this. Basically, there's also a heuristic that all this gets figured out with emotions and tools that I'm learning. Yes. Um, I uh, have a lot. I'm way more specifically. Mm -hmm. I just bounce. Yeah, I'm not. I'm and, just and, and so we have different yeah, things modes. to work on yeah. there, which is I need to maintain a, capa a capacity to say, this isn't right for me. I'm out. And yeah. you need to maintain the capacity to say, this isn't right for me. Let's talk. Yes, exactly. And I have infinite amounts of this isn't right for me. Let's talk, which can, you, you can just get stuck there forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Personally, I get, I get destroyed in talks. I'm like, <laughs> keep losing I, deals. I keep losing <laughs> deals. Next thing I know, I've got a checklist, a laundry list of things I need to do. I'm like, how did I get into this? What? Yeah. Uh, that's not good. And and I guess the thing that I am trying to say with all of these words is that the trick the trickiness of this game is that one is not right and one is not wrong. You can it, I don't think that I can look and say we need less anger or we need less crying yeah. or we need more talking or we need like generally those things can be right, but 
I, I actually think I need less conversations about my relationships in my relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's sort of I what need, I was saying. I it's need like, more walking. I need more, like, so anything that one could say does not apply. Yeah. Um, because these are such subtle things and everything, there's an appropriateness to everything within bounds, you know, excluding murder <laughs> and all that yeah. stuff. And ouch, ouch, you're hurting me. Uh, hits. Yeah. That, that, that those are all appropriate at various times inside uh, and in the exit of a relationship is is complex and tough to discern. Um, so we talked about a couple of things. We did this a bit more. We already shot the Patreon, but I'll, I'll go briefly into it. Um, Corridor Digital did a thing where they shot their, their crew um, of guys on a green screen dressed up, and then they ran it through AI. I won't take you through it. They talked about the process, which is fascinating. Uh, I'll do it a little bit. Basically, they blurred the images. Time out. You've gone too far. They made a YouTube video that's an anime-style version of them doing live-action rock, paper, scissors. Sure. Okay? So they filmed themselves, and they made it into an anime. Now go ahead. It's awesome. So imagine that you could whip out your phone, point yes. it at Henry, and he's moving around, except he's got cell-shaded graphics. Yes. Now, Im- now imagine that you could do that and that you could just pop a background in behind him. So now and now you can take Henry, dress him up in an overcoat or whatever, put some fake guns in his hand, and he can be Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> and you can go like that, and it can look really cool very drawn, quickly. Drawn, drawn, drawn style, yes. using AI like mid-journey. And it's not mid-journey. It's uh, Dream Booth is what they use. Dream Booth. Um, anyways, these things are still not very user-friendly interfaces. They're complex. It's kind of, it reminds me of what I had to do when I was trying to play pirated games as a kid. You got to like drag the file over here and then do this <laughs> and like make sure you have the right version. Uh, and it's constantly evolving and changing. But fascinating. Uh, all art jobs, I think a lot of the lower level art jobs are on their way out. Uh, legislation, I don't think is going to protect this. And the few remaining art jobs will be increasingly at the level of creative director, which is choosing the art style, high-level decisions, receiving a tremendous mm. amount of options. Like, which of these shots do you like best? Uh, that one. And they're going to be... the, the Human tastemakers. I think you mentioned this in yes. a while, of a, a video a long time ago about the AI revolution. Yes. And you're going to be able to write scripts from ChatGPT3. Give me a script about an orphan boy who lives on a... <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's going to be fascinating. You're going to... I think there's going to be a deluge of content that is of a production quality within the next couple of years that was just unachievable by almost anybody in the same way that like nobody could have a camera and it was just Johnny Carson that it was able to do a talk show and then YouTube was like everybody can have a podcast you're going to see that with anime you're going to see that with uh Disney cartoons and 3D drawings and uh I think I think that's a really like Johnny Carson to the Joe Rogan podcast era where there's a trillion podcasts I think you're going to see that in anime some of course surge to the top and I don't just mean anime I mean any sort of multimedia drawing three-dimensional thing uh it's gonna be awesome I'm super excited it's a really really exciting thing in the next couple of years what is unfolding technically speaking of that video what I found interesting is they were able to determine the style the aesthetic of the video using photos they took and inputting them into the application they didn't take the photos and this was the criticism I'm glad you said this of people in the comments was they took a pre-existing show uploaded like 50 of those images for the style. And people are like, you're ripping this off. Now, here's the thing. You want to get around that particular criticism. You can pay an artist, be like, give me something in your style. I need 50 to 100 images. Oh, this is is like why 
um, the copyright stuff that is going on with AI is what you're saying. They people yes. criticize them for stealing. Yes, Got and it. to be fair, like you, that I would say is you should not be able to do. You should not be able to take. I think it was like Demon Slayer or something. Now they were they were doing it for a concept. They for more than and an homage, more than to sell new content or monetize it or anything like that. Even though they did get ads, which I think is in this case okay. That said. Uh, you can imagine paying an artist or a few artists to, to make 50 to 100 things, uploading that art style, and then removing the entire repetitive section of creation, which is, okay, so we've got our guy. Now we need to draw him running. Now we need to draw him jumping. Now we need to draw him. Look, it's just, it can, it can guess that for you based on, and it is still, I acknowledge, pulling from a whole database of other art stuff. But even if you wanted, even if you said that shouldn't be legal, those people are having their work used, some company will come around compile and just pay a bunch of artists they'll get 10,000 or 100,000 photos that are creatively licensed or whatever to be the data set that they train on and they'll be all commercially linked to that and this thing will still happen even like there is a way for it to check every box of person that is complaining about it and still happen so it's I don't think that's going to be the route that it did but the it's kind of like a it's kind of like when people argue against abortion because uh, what if someone is raped? When it's like, yeah, but what if that wasn't the case? Like, well, I still don't care. I still, I still yeah, don't yeah. want abortion. It's the same thing uh, with this is the criticisms that are levied are surmountable. But the problem is that people I think essentially don't have is, or don't like is that a lot of jobs are going to go away. Um, and a lot of things that people have worked a really long time on and have are incredibly talented at will be devalued in the future, except to say that I think handmade art will still have a place, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be more a novelty and not your like bread and butter thing that people lean on for the current stuff. So do you think we're peaking or the wave is going to continue going up for AI? Um, cause we talked last night and you and I had said something in relation to the crypto stuff, mm -hmm. um, being like ginormous a year and a half ago. And it being game changing, and then now nobody's talking about it. Do you think that's going to have a similar downfall of AI being so damn popular? Like everyone's talking about AI and using ChatGPT to write their own mm -hmm. scripts, and I'm constantly seeing, you know, creators saying, "I use ChatGPT to make me five hundred thousand dollars this month." Um, obviously, that stuff will go down. But do you think uh, the industry as a whole will become less, be like a shiny object? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know anything about the technology. I do know that. The first iteration of AI is infinitely more usable than any crypto thing or protocol that I've ever seen. Uh, I use ChatGPT three. Like we literally, hey, can you? Send, we, you threw in some of the long Patreon questions that we had. Yeah, summarize it. Summarize so these. beautifully. It's this is useful and uh, without too much shade, crypto isn't. You know, it it will be, can be. There might, there's interesting projects, but it's promise at this yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah, um, like it's going to be sick. You'll see. And yes. then ChatGPT is like, here's something free. Try it out. Yes, yes. Like, what? No gas fees. Yeah. So I, I don't think that while there might be a, a huge crest of interest, I actually think that, okay, uh, Adobe dropped their podcast AI, which takes me recording on my phone outside with wind and makes it podcast quality. That, that's incredible. Usable. Free. It, I've seen so many of mid journey. It, I like I use when I'm coming, trying to just get concepts or trying to communicate what I want to an artist, something with this perspective, I might say, and I can quick do it in mid journey and then send to them. I'll say, yeah, this, but 
on a text prompt. XYZ. You write them a text prompt. I write a text. I write a mid-journey it. text prompt yeah. that produces a, four different photos. I pick the one that I like. I send it to the artist, seconds. and I say it's not this, but this is the angle that I want and the art style that I like, and I like that he has X, Y, or Z. Wow. And the artist can go, got it. I'm going to do this thing, and I think in the future what you'll have is uh, a much smaller role, like the. I don't even know that I'll need the artist for, for that. I'm having the artist do the lion's share of the work. I'm getting just broad concepts, which is like, here's a guy in a big coat in a warlock tower, you know? Yeah. But I want him to be a tiefling, and I want him to look like this, and I want him to X, Y, Z. So that the the stuff that I'll need to go to an artist for, I think, will be much, much smaller in, yeah. in the future. Um, but I will need, probably I could just get a creative director who is better than me to make all of those decisions. That's the one thing I noticed in the Corridor Crew, just to wrap it up. They had watched, dude just got served all their videos, been watching all of them. <laughs> they had one where they did battles and who could do better text prompts to produce a funnier image. And then they mm. got, they voted on who they liked better. And one guy won and he won all of them because he could just, he knew how to get the visual to match with the words. Mm. And it's very particular. Your negative keywords that you use, like, Always put in blurry for negative keywords. Like <laughs> you, um, your positive keywords, like how you describe something. So yeah, you, tastemakers, people who can write to the um, AI what it can produce um, in a picture form is going to be a skill for a little while. Yes. Um, so if you are in that field, I highly recommend. And I'm now as I bring on artists, I'm looking for people that show hobbied interest in AI because if you don't have that interest, you're not going to stay on the cutting edge of it and you're not going to be able to integrate it into your workflow when appropriate, even if it's just for you're ideation. It's like liking computers in the early 90s. Yeah. yeah. It's, you're like, it's, I like computers. It's, it's important um, if you're an artist. It's gotcha. really, really important. Uh, so let's talk, uh, something came up this week was uh, got... You run my LinkedIn at this point, and by run, I mean you sent a handful of messages uh, to people trying to get them on the podcast. Yeah, and you received a message from someone saying, "Hey, do you uh, your testimonial on this thing to me? Uh, do you recommend I work with this group of people who do TikTok stuff?" Um, for context, when TikTok first came out, we worked with a, a little agency to get our stuff up. First, it was going well. You know, it was the age of TikTok where you could kind of just post and like you would get followers, especially with the following like Charisma on Command. And so we got like 30,000 followers in the first month and we were pleased. Um, they asked for a testimonial. I said, yeah, this is great. We got 30,000. I'm really excited for what comes next. What came next was we got some growth, but it was slower because TikTok got harder. We were never able to find a monetization strategy that worked. It was always just losing money and we did for many months. Um, and then Split, not thinking awfully of them but certainly having that been one of many experiments that i've run in charisma on command thinking more like that tiktok just isn't a great platform for monetizing a 600 hundred dollar course and yeah. like you're gonna have to put a lot of time and like make it really work and use it pretty uh every day to mm -hmm. like grow on it and really care and you're like i don't care about that and paying an agency fee mm -hmm. to just garner a few hundred thousand people and some views isn't worth it yes literally isn't Yes, it was not worth it for us. And uh, so didn't walk away feeling terribly. No. It wasn't like you can't use me as a testimony. I was like, yeah. But Learned a little bit fine. about TikTok, honestly. What I said was fine. And uh, that was it. Uh, we run a lot of experiments that fail. Most of our experiments fail. Yeah. So what the message said, uh, we went to this website that they had our testimonial. And so they had my testimony at the bottom page, but above it, they had a bunch of lies. <laughs> they had. Uh, no, 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 no. 
You didn't see the homepage. I saw you scroll, the page. In the first fold, you're not there. But in the second fold, you're there. And you're mm-hmm. the number one testimonial yeah. you can, case study you can read. And then if you click on that, it's an entire page of uh, What happened lies. with us. And yes. it was full of lies. $12,000 monthly revenue. Never. Never. Not a single month. I think lifetime we got maybe 20-ish in that ballpark. I don't Prior remember. to them. They, they and didn't and have, by the way, and by the way, they were not really involved in that. What happened was, uh, I said, "Let's make a quiz." I made a quiz, and then attached it to our bio, and so we were able to capture some emails. emails and we had a pre-existing email sequence that was able to sell them some of our first impressions courses. But like, this was built by me, not by me. I suggested it. I made the course. Ivan and the team helped me implement it. Like. This is what happened. And then you, additionally, ran your YouTube shorts, which you made, yeah. uh, to that page, which even inflated those numbers more. All to say it was full of lies, nowhere near that monthly revenue. And it had, this is, I, I was losing my mind because I was like, I actually thought I was crazy. There was a screenshot of like $12,352.19 in a payment processor that I've never seen before, which you told me is Shopify. The Shopify mobile picture. which I've like, never seen that, and I'm going, do we have a thing? This is how self-uncertain I am at times. <laughs> and, and how, when people flat out lie, I am blown away. This is, this is an, an issue of mine. Um, i stretching the truth, but flat out lying, I'm going, there must be something wrong. Wow. Yeah, I was angry about that, but also like, oh, that was an obvious lie when I saw that picture. But also the the verbiage in their copy about how they were solving our problems and yeah. they were working together. And here's the problem: the pitch and the sale of the solution was annoying. It was to an entire this this page was so false, and then it was punctuated with a video of me that I had recorded that said, "We got thirty thousand followers. I recommend it." You know, and and that seemed to to underline and co-sign everything that was said above it. Yep. I asked them to take it down. They did take it down. But you and I talked, which about this, which I figured I'd say on the podcast. Um, so many agencies, the vast, vast majority of them are value thieves. They take money from the generation above them in age as a tax on not understanding <laughs> the newest technology. The secret is neither do they. They are merely users of it. And you go, that kid must know Facebook. And this is our dad. So we wanted you to do this. you got to go to companies and tell them that you're going to do this. <laughs> and this is what happened for a while is you could go. Um, Social media marketing is the first one. I'm sure there's other ones of agencies that yes. are the middlemen between the actual yes. profitable business yes. and the new technology they need to be on, mm-hmm. which was like. And some of these, uh, just cover my bases, do work. There are agencies that you can do and they'll run your ads and they, they create the creative and they're, they're good. They are few and far between. Not I've, every coffee shop needs to be on Facebook and Instagram. They probably that, need I've, to be on Google for their, yeah, but, oh, sorry, go ahead. I've never worked with one of those agencies. I can only speculate as to their existence. And I've worked with several, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, our product is a bit harder, but guess what? It works very well on YouTube. And like, uh, we have, retargeting ought to be easy. I have never in 10 years of business business worked with an agency that ever didn't lose money like that is what they have always done and uh i think that there are certain industries well here's go back to heuristics you don't you won't lie 
You won't stretch your numbers. That's true. And we, we you them. would work. I could make you work. I could write That's you fair. a new page that has a new screenshot of the revenue and, and mm-hmm. value I can provide by taking Charisma University in 30 days or less. And then mm-hmm. I would run traffic to it and they'd be like, this offer is incredible. And I could get a positive ROI on a, whatever $600 product you have, but it would be through lies. Yes. This is and what they do. They, they, they always lie. are st- stunned when I go, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You yes. can't do that. Um, that's, that's you a handcuff, lie. That's you handcuff, true. You handcuff them. Yes. So, but if you look at it, then their business model, if they are con- or if they are constrained to the truth, the business model is either um, live off of the confusion of the company that we're taking money from or extract goodwill from the client base by by us being a mouthpiece of lies where we can take some of that money that is being made off of destroying the brand value of this company. Yep. They're value destructive at 90 plus percent of the time. And if you're an out there and you think you're not that agency, you don't need to take offense to this. Um, but yeah, that there are just these. And unfortunately, what I know will happen is that they don't stop. They just move on to the next technology or the next customer or the next thing. And it's unfortunate. This is an old thing from every good business guru ever, Alex Hormozzi, if instead you just tried to make a product that actually worked and didn't put as much effort into the BS photoshopped image of the sales page that they had for, or of the testimonial page for me, like I know that that took less time in the short term, but a career made off those decisions, which is now years away from us having worked with them. Oh, great point. Is like, yes, you're going to make a sale this month because you made my testimonial page full of lies. Uh, your career will be spent chasing and churning customers because you haven't found out how to contribute. Yeah, yeah. If you actually way. made Charlie twelve thousand dollars in the first You'd month, still be he'd be paying you. He'd be paying you ten thousand dollars <laughs> per month to make him free money every yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you wouldn't have to yes. do that. And this this short term thing is uh, deeply unfortunate. There is some um, agencies, sorry to cut you off, um, that seem like they're just, they're so lucky to just have Coca-Cola's ad spend because Coca-Cola will just, they don't care. They just want impressions. And like, there is, if you want to take this No, please. It's just, Gary Vaynerchuk's agency will always exist if they're getting Coca-Cola's ad spend. Coca-Cola wants to be everywhere. If you're going to do the marketing campaigns for Coca-Cola and NBA and giant companies that just have giant budgets. Um, sure, you're like kind of not creating much value, but you're just you're just spending their money. They're going to spend anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like they're already profitable, and they're they have ginormous budgets, multi million dollar budgets. And there is a difference between uh, brand driven companies and direct sale driven yeah, sorry, companies. Sorry. If Coca-Cola were to pull all of its ad spend, they would do better this year and then die. Yeah. Because they are non-differentiated from Pepsi minus the brand. Yeah. And so there does come a point where impressions, which in my business are useless, <laughs> are the entire game. And the most valuable companies are brands. Yeah. So there, there's a point at which you break through the stratosphere into like, and what's interesting, Alex Hormozzi, I think has... This is what he's done. He said, I'm not going to play the, I'm going to skip that whole, I need to make money off of this business thing because I already made money. I've yep. done that. Yep. I'm going to lose a ton of money to build a Alex Hormozzi acquisition.com brand. Yep. And I don't know when and I don't know where, but that ubiquity will eventually become so much more valuable to me 
given my the way that it interfaces with my other business models, which is that's going to bring me acquisition.com uh, companies that will make me millions and millions, but not today, not tomorrow, over the long haul. And it's, uh, you know, he's I've seen him talk about this. The, the, biggest, the biggest game in town is the brand game, which yep. is just awareness. Yep. But when you try to play that game at the low level, it's a farce. It's a fraud. It's not real. If you have any of these agencies talking to you about impressions that you've made and you're not making already 10 plus million dollars in in revenue it doesn't matter um so a few thoughts honestly 10 10 mil might even be low like yeah. for for the point at which that begins to uh really matter yep uh and so yeah there was just another thing i, I hesitate to say this i have to watch more but have you heard of richard spencer I have not. He was on the No Jumper podcast with Destiny. We talked, we actually got lunch with Destiny after he was on the podcast. He mentioned this guy. I hadn't heard of him. He was the guy who got punched in the face during the punch a Nazi thing. He was like the- Just a random bystander? No, he was like the face of the white supremacist alt-right thing. And so I had, the only association I had with him is is Nazi. And it was very interesting to listen to a portion of him speak. Maybe I'll say more on it next week. Okay. He seems to have reformed some of his views. He was shockingly bright. I, I did not expect him to be nearly as intelligent as he was. Um, and it was an intriguing first portion of the conversation that I didn't get deeper into because to, to have someone's name in my mind have such a doofus understanding of them and then see him coherent, intelligent, and seemingly, he didn't detail exactly how, but like regret regretting some of his positions was uh, really interesting. And so is he a content creator now? They just found this guy with like five years later after getting punched in the face. Dude. I think he does content. I, I, he was, he was one of those names for me that was just, don't even worry about this. Don't even check into it. This guy's just a, a lunatic. And I, I'll probably watch the rest of the conversation. Gotcha. To, uh, see, cause I did think it was, it was interesting, which isn't to say if you're out there and you hate Richard Spencer, that I'm going to fall into a white supremacist trap. That, uh, <laughs> that was why I wrote him off. I'm curious who, how he has, uh, developed Grown. or gotcha. evolved. Um, so yeah, that is that. I think that's it. Good. Appreciate you guys. Um, quick updates over on Patreon. You can find everything that we're up to. We're going to answer questions about the business. So if you guys want to see that, please, it keeps us going. Also, D&D On Demand is going to come out with its season two, episode one episode on either the 20th or the 27th. I want it to be the 20th, but I'm trying to get more 3D in there and it's, we've hit some roadblocks. Um, so 20th or 27th, it will come out. Season one will be completed. Uh, eventually, but I want to show you the best of what we have, and that is this season two with all of us in the same room and uh, a great trumpet impersonator and my friend Evan there, and it's a just a way more fun vibe. We've got way better post-production support, so 20th or 27th of March. Keep your eyes out for that. Appreciate all of you. See you soon. Peace. Peace. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great. But having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0.